Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Meteor's Gaming Podcast. My name is Chris and I'm the co-editor of Gaming and I'm joined by my other co-editor, Nathan Warby. Hi, Nathan. Hello. And today we are going to take you through our personal gaming histories, why we love games and what games we are looking forward to and any other games we want to talk about because Nathan really does want to talk about God of War. Uh, always. Literally, just, <laughs> just, just wind me up and watch me go when it comes to God of War. <laughs> So I will I will deviate a little bit from God of War for the first question. So what is what is your first like big gaming memory? So like the the it can either be like the first time you went and played games or it could be like the first game you properly fell in love with. It, it's up to you. Uh it's God of War. No, I'm not <laughs> uh, No, I think cuz my the, the first console like my family ever had was the like the original PlayStation. Um, but obviously, I, I don't know how old I'd have been, like five, six, like way too young to appreciate what a games console even is. But I, I distinctly remember having PlayStation 1 and playing the Neversoft, Neversoft Spider-Man game, like the yeah. very, very first one. Um, I mean, obviously, in hindsight, it was not great, but it, it was um, good at the time. It was, yeah, to be fair, like... You know, because obviously it wasn't open world, it was very linear. It was just literally like you were on a building and there was just nothingness between you and the next building. That's how you knew where you had to go. Um, but obviously because of how young I was and how that was basically the only game I had for quite a long time. I, I played it and played it and played it and played it and I found cheat codes for it. I unlocked, I, I unlocked like different costumes. There was one where you could turn invisible. There was uh, the Captain Universe costume, which basically made you invincible for the entire game. Um, and, you know, and then obviously like Scarlet Spider, Symbiote Sue, all that sort of stuff. So that basically, I don't think my parents understood what it, what it awoke in me. Yeah, when they first you're a massive Marvel nerd. Yeah, now, yeah, I think it was, because usually, obviously, that game was probably made for the massive Marvel nerds, but I think that basically made a massive Marvel nerd out of me. <laughs> so, <laughs> Like, like yeah. man, make a man out of you by Disney. Exactly. But with Marvel. Sure. Why not? <laughs> what about you? Uh, I remember, like, a bunch of, because my, my mate had a PS1, so that's how I first started playing PlayStation. Uh, me and my dad had an Xbox. My dad, my so my dad is the reason I'm in, into video games because he is a massive sweat, bless his heart. Massive. Um, sweat. This this is the, so obviously like we're we're in our like mid twenties. So he's in his late fifties now. So okay. he bought like an Atari, you know the big things you see in pubs and stuff. And game. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of those. He bought one for himself in his house. Because he wanted to play Atari games. That's how much of like an absolute stam this guy is. Honestly, when I was a baby, he would put Doom in on a floppy disk into the computer. We had to wait 15 minutes for it to load. So he'd go downstairs, do feeding, and put me to sleep. And by the time I got to sleep, he could play Doom. That's well, that's commitment, that is. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is, like, that that is play, playing the long game. That is the level of like nerd. My Just to paint you a picture, that is the nerd in my house. And that's that's what I grew up around. Um, so I remember like a bunch of like old school like wrestling games, like the the old WWE games and stuff. But the game that like I spent a frick ton of time on, and I'm not proud of this, uh, is SSX Tricky. Yes. Like yes. I spent so much time, and I was bad. I was not good <laughs> at that game, but I loved it, and it was great. Oh, it was it was it was just dumb. It's it, 
because people are getting obviously people are like hyped off their face for Tony Hawk coming back. Yeah. And I just want Essex Tricky to come back, man. That's the game I want to come back. Yeah, board based games sorry. never made it better than SSX Tricky. I'm sorry. No, everyone talks about the, the Tony Hawk games, but like, yeah, for me, it was always SSX. Like, SSX Tricky, I think it was SSX 3. Oh, yeah. yeah. SSX 3 was good. Yeah, yeah. PS2. I, I was there. I played those in, into their lives. Same. I mean, SS, SSX Tricky was the same kind of time where, like, games like Need for Speed Carbon were coming out. That was another game I spent hours on. Yeah. It, that, that's my favorite Need for Speed game, I think. Need for Speed Carbon. Because it was just... I remember you could always put, like, the ridiculous neon lights underneath the car and then you'd always want a Mazda RX-5 for no reason even though you could get way better cars but the Mazda RX-5 is the best one apparently according to the game and it was just so stupid but it was a great game it was, it was a simpler time because I think I think everyone starts off playing like you don't start playing like quote marks proper games until you're a bit older so when, you, when you're younger just any stupid game like you, you get all sorts of enjoyment out of yeah, I was I was either those games or because and this is where my massive nerd steps in, uh, is Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, which we all know I love. I've I've will bang on about that game forever, and I've recently just bought it again for like the fourth time <laughs> on Steam, so I can play it because um, it was like two quid, so why not? Um, but yeah, that that game was great. But it, it's it's proper old school RPG, which Bioware used to do amazingly, and since don't because they've been bought by EA. Um, but it was it was that proper like because everyone loves Star Wars and everyone loves being able to go and be a like literally embody a Jedi and go on a galaxy quest. So it was just like this incredible mesh of these two things, and you proper like embodied this Jedi because you could put your whole personality in it, pick choices, be dark side, light side, whatever you wanted to do, and it was oh, just good. I, I miss it. Why why EA own the rights to Star Wars and they haven't made Bioware make Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic a remake when we're in the era of remakes is just a travesty. That, that is one of like life's greatest mysteries. Just like what are EA doing with that Star Wars license? Like other than obviously manipulating you to spend loads of money. I mean what? Yeah. Sorry. What? Who but, said what? What? Well, who said that? But yeah, like I say, it's like they have, like they have the IP, and they have the studio, like best suited to make that that game, yeah. and they're just and they're choosing not to. And then, yeah. I mean, to be fair, Respawn obviously made arguably the best Star Wars game last year, but I think if you expanded that and made it into, like, say, the RPG where you get to pick, like, pick your own path through it, and even they even put a bit of like um, Forced Unleashed in there where you get to sort of make your choice on light or dark side. Mm. I think that'd be really interesting. Well, that, that's literally what KOTOR was about, was you could you you had the chance to pick it, and then they spun it on a sixpence, right, like two-thirds thir- two of the way through. Um, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't played it, but you are actually the bad guy. What? Yeah, I know. It, oh, no, it's ju- I was just playing through it as well. How could you? It's ju- Oh, no. Wait, it's, I'm sorry. It's, tw- that, it's 20 is, years old if anybody's listening to this enraged. It's not true. It's not true. I'm playing Mafia 2 at the minute. <laughs> but you know what I mean? If anybody's listening to it enraged, it's 20 years old. So come on. Yeah. Um, but you actually channels. Come on. You're, you're literally like playing the game as the... So there's like Darth Revan and Darth Malak. Darth Malak was trained by Darth Revan. Is going on to carry on his mission. And it turns out the Jedi Order of like... Sh- 
like messed with Revan's brain and have turned him into a Jedi. And then you have that choice two thirds of the way through. Do you go back to your like dark side tendencies or do you carry on being a light person if you want to be a light person? Or if you're a dark person, you're just like, hell yeah, let's go and murder <laughs> everyone. And it was just a good game. <laughs> that's, that's, in, that, in summary, it was a good that, game. That, that little pause there. Just that little like, oh. That, that, that little moment of appreciation. That's what, like, that's that's when you know a game is good when it, like, you just become speechless. Yeah, honestly, I've got so many memories of my childhood playing that game. It, is that the game that you'd say made you a gamer? I, it's it's the because all the other games are like those kind of casual games you pick, like you said, like you said, you, like you you pick up, and you're just like, yeah, I'll play that for a few hours, and you like just carry on playing it. But Knights of the Republic, because it was so deep and like based off D and D levels, like combat, like pick this to do this, and you can have these stat bonuses. And if you're going to be persuading somebody, you're at a thirty percent chance because your charisma is only a six. You'd weeb, um, stuff like that. So yeah, it, it's the one that properly made me like a big RPG gamer, and I haven't looked back since because I love RPG games. Yeah, same. Yeah, I'm the same. I think I think for me that was probably. <sighs> I thought that was probably Fallout 3 for me. Yeah, that's a good shout. Oh, yeah. Liam Neeson. Because, like, Liam Neeson, yeah. Liam Neeson being daddy, that's what I needed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, cause I think I think Skyrim took it to the next level for me, like, that whole sort of getting lost in this world. But mm. I think the, Fallout 3 was the first game that I think I played that I became completely just obsessed with wanting to explore every aspect of it. And but I think I was at that point because I was what two thousand eight, I want to say. Yeah, so I'd be. So I'd be eleven. Is that maths? Is that how maths works? The numbers <laughs> Mason. The numbers Mason. What do they the mean? Um, yes, I think I was like eleven. So I think I was finally old enough to actually appreciate what was going on and like sort of caught on to the like the story like behind the world rather than just exploring the world for itself. Yeah. So yeah, for me it was probably Fallout Three, and like I say, it's just just making my choice just the f- like it blew my mind at the time that i could just walk up to a random character in the world kill them and then they weren't in the world anymore like that was like ridiculous to me and like you could miss out on quests because you had done that like that was like a completely like foreign idea to me i, lo- I love what i love about that game is that the, they opened up with the megaton nuke bomb quest yeah like really like set the tone <laughs> really did you just like you can blow this entire town up if you want to, but don't worry, nothing else will be there if you do it. And it's just yeah. mental. Yeah, it was it was really smartly done as well because obviously it told you where to go. It was like right, go that way because that's like like where the next marker is. But obviously you just been dropped into this massive sandbox. So my first instinct instinct is well, it's time to go straight. So I'm gonna go left or right. And if you go either of those directions, you get absolutely caned by something that's high level. Yeah, it's like yeah, let you. Let you know that like, you've got a long way before you can come over here again. Like the rubber it's... banding in that game was was quite strong. Let's it be was. real. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I I did a playthrough where I was like, right, I'm not going to do any side quests. I'm just going to do the main mission. And man, I regretted that choice when I got to DC at level six. Oh, that was not a good. It was not a good time. Yeah, you need like, to spanked by like probably double level super mutants. Oh, it's not good. Yeah. Oh, and the, the the first time that you were into a death claw as well, and you're like, "What is this coming to ruin my life?" <laughs> you just oh, see that my. thing charging yeah. at you. It's worse when you can't see it though, because I I don't know how you used to play, but I'd sort of I'd just be walking around. I had dog meat with me, and then every now and again, I just crouch and just see what the like, little indicator said when I was still hidden. And I can remember like I was playing with my headset on. I was just walking wherever I was. I think I was like level ten, 
and like I, I did that every every like I said like every minute or so, and I was always hidden. And then I crouched. It just said caution, and I was so obviously at that point you're like, oh my god, like what's seen me? And then I went a little bit further, and I crouched again, and it said danger, and all I heard was doof 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 doof, and then I got one like one bang by a death claw, and I have never been so scared in my entire life. Like literally, give me any Resident Evil or PT or whatever. That is the scariest thing that I have ever seen in a game. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, honestly, the death claws were just mental, weren't they? Really. I mean, Forks was my life, though. I love Forks. Forks, yeah. Oh, my God. Was Forks he Was he New Vegas? No, he was Fallout 3, late game. Oh, yeah, of course he was, yeah. Of course he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can do all that stuff in the dropship, and then you're like, doing stealth and just Forks, like, clumbering up behind you, not being spotted. It's great. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Oh, New, like, Bethesda games. Bethesda games. Like, New Vegas is arguably better. Like, I... for me. Right, this, this is a gaming admission that I don't really want to make in public, but I'm going to. Uh, I've never really played New Vegas. You're missing out, mate. If, if, you like, if you like Fallout 3, then you need to play New Vegas. I know. I'm at, I'm at the point now, though, where like, the combat is so janky. That yeah. Going back into it. Because I think if, you spend, if you're spending a lot of time in the world, the combat needs to be satisfying. I think that's a problem I have with stuff. So, for example... The Witcher 3, I can never get into because the combat is just so janky. I was exactly um, the same. Yeah, that's exactly what turned me off it as well. Like, I, I, I know I'll love it because I know so many things about the game. I'm like, man, I'd love to play the game. And then I boot it up and I'm like, nope. I remember why I don't play this game. Yeah, it was like, I, 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 got, like, I put so much time into Skyrim. I think that was mainly because at the time I didn't know any better. Yeah. Um. Like I say, and same with Fallout. I mean, to be fair, on, on New Vegas, they did put in iron sights on the guns, but they were completely useless. Like, you yeah. just, they didn't, like, it didn't mean anything. Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, and it was obviously, like, your only option was VATS, but then once you run out of AP, there's no, like, you can't use VATS anymore, so then you just back down to staring down this really poorly rendered iron sight that doesn't mean anything. And I think that's why I'm enjoying Assassin's Creed Odyssey at the moment, because the combat for that game is actually quite satisfying, but the story itself is a bit trash. Because yeah. it's, it's your classic Assassin's Creed story, there's a mis- mysterious object, we've got to get it, there's some bads in the way, kill them along the way and level up, please. Um, which is fine, because it's, it's served them... I mean, the Assassin's Creed games have probably been going as long as we've been playing games. Yeah. Like playing properly for sure, because I think I, I can remember going out to my friend's house when I was still at um, secondary school and playing the first Assassin's Creed. So, when was the first Assassin's Creed? It was donkey's years ago. 2007, something like that. Like, kind of, that, that feels right. I don't know. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I've never been able to get into the Assassin's Creed. Not, not properly. Like, I, I'm not one of these, I can't play them all. I have to like pick and choose. The ones that yeah. I want to play, and then the ones that I do like, I really like. Like I love Assassin's Creed Two. Mm. I, I like Black Flag. Hate the boat combat. The boat <laughs> combat. Is, the, the boat combat turned me off Assassin's yeah. Creed for ages, and then I picked up the one that's got boats in it, and I'm still annoyed. Yeah, it's so frustrating. Like I, I, you just know that Valhalla's going to have it as well. Like I, I can feel. Oh it. yeah, because it's Vikings and longboats, and so they've already kind of announced that with that quote-unquote gameplay trailer. Oh, the um, gameplay trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With no yeah. gameplay in it. No gameplay at all. God, Ubisoft, man. Honestly, what, yeah. U- Ubisoft and EA are fighting over who's the worst. 
And it, why is it like this? <laughs> Who's worse, Ubisoft or EA? I think it's got to be EA. EA. Yeah, it's got to be because at least at least Ubisoft had the decency to put out some good games. <laughs> like, I mean, I I think Ubisoft try; they're just out of touch. I feel like that's the problem with them. They're like, you like this back in 2015, and it's like, yeah, but games have changed. This is true. Yeah, yeah, because they they brought in that whole sort of like open world, go around checking boxes mm. game design, didn't they? Where it's like you're not doing anything meaningful. It's just like, oh, here's 50 hideouts. Go and clear them out because you should. Yeah, like the 98 feathers or whatever the weird number is in Assassin's Creed 2 that you've got to go yeah. get for your like little nephew or something. Yeah. I think they're starting to realise, though, because they've started to... Because obviously they also went through that annualised phase as well. And I think they've started to realise that people don't want the same thing every year. Yeah. So, you know, taking that, that sort of bit of time out to make it actually good and work. Yeah. And, and just like I said, just so people can start to miss it because, like, no one, especially sort of beginning of this generation, people weren't excited for Assassin's Creed anymore because they just knew they were going to get one. Yeah, it's like COD. Like, yeah. I think I think they are making a mistake if they bring another cut out this year, which they're rumoured to. They're rumoured to bring bringing out um, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Um, but I think it's a mistake. Yeah, and but the thing, the thing with the thing with COD, it just makes too much money. Like. Like they know, they know that they'll bring it out. They'll know that people buy it. They'll support yeah. it for a year, and then they'll let it die. Like they, they, they know. I know. It's just, it's just sad. It's, it's sad to think that like you're putting all this hours and time into Modern Warfare, and Modern Warfare's on its third season at the moment. It'll probably reach its fourth season and then be given up on. Whereas yeah. you've got things like For Honor, um, or. Rainbow Six Siege, which are obviously going to be ported over to, well, maybe not for honor as much, but Six Siege is definitely going to be ported over um, to the new consoles, and people are still loving it. Yeah, well, because they're constantly updating it. Yeah, I mean, th- this could be a this could be a whole podcast in itself, but I think I would not be surprised if in a couple of years' time we start to see Call of Duty adopt that model and bring I, I, out like, like what, what would what would originally be like the game, say so, say Call of Duty Modern Warfare. That will be, they'll just bring out Call of Duty as a platform and have Modern Warfare be season one. And then season two will be Call of Duty World War Two. Yeah, I think like, they should do that. Yeah, and I think that'll work a lot better. Like, don't worry, like, people still, like, then they could pay for it as, like, a battle pass thing, maybe. Yeah. Um, or you, could, you can provide the content for free and then have all the, like, loot boxes and stuff make, make the revenue because Siege does that. But because they're constantly giving out new, or, like, the operatives are locked behind stuff. Yeah, and uh, I mean, as much as as much as it annoys me seeing all that kind of stuff, especially in terms of siege, because it's definitely pay to win, especially when they release new operatives and they're about fifteen percent better than all the other ones. While you can get them in the premium pack, and then as soon as they're available to everyone else, go back to being crap. Yeah. Um. So it's not the perfect model by any stretch of the imagination, but they could definitely like get more fan engagement because I feel I feel like fans have stopped liking COD apart from this year's, which is why I feel like it's a shame that they're still falling back into old habits yeah and i think because th- this is definitely certainly for the online this has definitely been the cod that i've got the most fun out of in god knows how long probably since probably since modern warfare 3 to yeah. be honest because as much as they keep pushing black ops can never get into black ops um i always had a soft spot for ghosts but i think i'm the only person on planet earth that actually like ghost it's because ghosts fell at re- a really awkward time between like the console generation jump which yeah, like, this new one will as well because no one like oh it's just a bad idea. 
Yeah, because I like normally I as much as I'd say that I'm not going to, I get Call of Duty on on launch day. But this this year I'll I'll, I'll not be because I'll be waiting for PS5. And I'll probably get it over like the holidays. Yeah, that'd be my plan. We got very off track. On we this. did get very, we did get very yeah. off track, but it we does have... lead me to a next question. Okay, which is what is your biggest gaming bugbear? Oof, biggest gaming bugbear. That's. I mean, it's not so much a, a gameplay choice, but more of like a, a business choice. But loot boxes in general really, really bug me, especially as somebody who's very entrenched in FIFA Ultimate Team. <laughs> um, oh, I'm so glad I don't do Ultimate Team. Yeah, yeah, you are. You are hundreds of hours later and no, no, like more progress. But yeah, yeah, just the way that everything, I, I think we're coming towards the end of it now because I think people are starting to realize because. I think um, more so than I've ever seen. I think uh, politicians are starting to take notice of mm. like the gambling mechanics and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't put in paid microtransactions in games that you've already paid for. Just doesn't sit right with me. Like in mobile games, I get it, and like in Fortnite, I get it because you don't have to pay to play that, yeah. and it's all it's all cosmetics. So I think that works for them, and obviously they're making a ridiculous amount of money for it. Um, but let's say when it's in, like, I don't want to pay 60 quid to play COD and then go in and then be bombarded with, oh, for an extra 20 quid, you can get this many COD points and open these loot boxes. Like, just leave me alone and let me play the game. Yeah. Like, oh, and to fair, even, even more than that, it's when they sort of take, like, give you content and then take it away from you and then make you pay to have it back. Mm. That frustrates me. Like, I never, I never bought it, but in, in Fallout 76... Oh, God, you, had, yeah. you had to pay I think it was like uh, you couldn't repair your weapons sort of on the fly but you you could buy these things to be able to repair them on the fly and it's like but you can already do that in Fallout so you basically took a thing away from me and then paid me to have that thing back well, that, that doesn't sit right with me either so well, yeah, well, that, well 76 is just, just garbage anyway isn't it really oh, yeah. um, apparently it's good and I'm like yeah because they put NPCs in like they put the fallout back in fallout yeah it's like uh, yeah because it was just a big empty wasteland which is not what fallout's meant to be just just a garbage game um but yeah no i i agree with the loot box extent i especially agree when it's pay to win so like ultimate team where you can buy gold packs or you can spend hours getting them but also get spanked by people who've just bought gold passes and your own team is just trash so nice for you to deal with that um I'd I'd agree where that's concerned. I think one of one of my like biggest irritations, purely because it was just getting to a point where it was really annoying. Now it's not as as much of a thing, but every open world game you had to go and find a bit to unlock the map, and it oh why? Just yeah. Give me the map, please. <laughs> Spider Spider Man did it, and it was not annoying because in that game flying around is fun. But that's the only game where I've not been irritated seeing like a little synchronization point being like, you can unlock details about the map. I'm like, I don't care. Let me look at the map, please. Yeah, it was that Ubisoft influence game there, weren't it? That literally. Was, that was literally what Assassin's Creed like made popular. Yeah, and it, oh my God. It just, it's so annoying because you, you start a game and you want to look at the map, open it up and be like, right, okay, I'm going to go there, 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 do this, these open world stuff. And then it's just like, nope, you can't, you can't look at it. You don't know what's there. So I was gonna have to I'd, i wouldn't mind if it was go explore like 
the civilization games make you do. So you start on like a tiny island and you go after you have to go explore the map. And then when you when you're not in that area, it's like grayed out with like little sketching around it. I think that's quite cool because you've physically gone and found all this stuff. But literally just putting these little towers in, oh, it's just so annoying. Yeah, and they're always uh, fiddly to get to the top of. They are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the only satisfying thing about that was you had the uh, the hay bales underneath that you could jump off of, or like, jump off into. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, Skyrim did that quite well because obviously I say that that was the same as like there's like this fog all across the map, but then as you explored, it cleared the fog. Yeah, that, I, d- I like that. I think that's yeah. quite cool because that's quite a nice way of seeing how far you've come as well. Yeah, you can literally just you you only see this little tiny speck, and then like later in the game, it's all opened up. I think that makes sense, and it makes sense from a storytelling perspective as well because you're like exploring, so it it makes sense that the map opens up. But yeah. yeah, I just I just get really annoyed by by towers. I just get really annoyed by open world games at one point because it it, it seemed to be impossible to find a linear game at one point because yeah, you the, couldn't yeah. move for open world and multiplayer games. Yeah, then people even started taking games that weren't traditionally open world and making them open world, like, like um, Tom Clancy's like, Gears. Yeah, I was gonna say Gears, even like yeah, uh, like Tom Clancy. Is it was it Wildlands? Oh my god, yeah, Ghost Recon's. Why? Yeah, Ghost, yeah, Ghost Recon, yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, traditionally just like a, a corridor shooter. Like, third person corridor shooter. I miss yeah, corridor so shooters. Yeah, like, when, when they're doing well. When they're doing Gears, well, really. Gears of War was so good. Gears of War was so good. That was, it's my favourite game series ever, and it's so sad to see what it's like now. Yeah, so, I mean, God of War's the only, uh, God of War. See, it's, it's on the brain. It's on the brain all the time. Always, always thinking about it. Kratos's beard. Kratos's beard. What a beard that is. No, it Gears of War. Adjusted. Gears of War. Different game. Very different game. Very different. Yeah, Gears of War is the only thing I miss about having an Xbox. <sighs> yeah, same. Same. Yeah. Marcus like, Phoenix's beautiful face. Oh, yeah, and just Cold, Coltrane. Oh, my God, yeah. Those are the days. Gears so, 2. Yeah. Nah, it's got to be Gears 3. It's got to be Gears 3 for me. Ooh. Just because... Just because Do- oh Dom, yeah no that sucked yeah to be fair the, the the original Gears trilogy is pretty much the perfect like shooter trilogy it is it's spot on and the yeah. horde is amazing as well yeah horde was great uh, multiplayer was fun as well if you like being one banged by a really OP shotgun <laughs> like people just wall bouncing at you and they're like oh I've fallen to pieces yeah like, I, I never played the bits. multiplayer yeah don't it was it, like you thought you were good at Gears and then you found out pretty quickly you were not. Yeah. <laughs> So, would you say then that God of War in Kratos is your favourite video game character, or have you got another one? Video game character is a difficult one because, as much as I do love God of War and I really like the story that they told with Kratos in that, um, I don't have enough of a handle on what he was like before. I think to say he's my favourite one, like because yeah. the God of War games never really appealed to me because Kratos was so sort of like he was just angry. That's all yeah. he was. So. I think it asked me again after God of War 2, then, then maybe. Um, but I think a favourite video game character of all time is probably Arthur Morgan from Red Dead Redemption 2. Ooh, interesting. That's, that's an interesting choice because like, you can make your Arthur Morgan what you want to a degree. Yeah. And I think, I think it was that. It was he's, he's kind of, he's scripted and he, like, he is always Arthur Morgan, but you can kind of project onto him. Like, you, you can sort of like, you can just tweak him ever so slightly to make him yours. Um, and it was impressive as well because before Red Dead Redemption 2 I probably would have said that John Marston is my favourite video game character of all time mm. 
So I didn't think it was possible, especially because you kind of, if you've played the first game, you kind of have a rough idea of where Arthur Morgan's going to end up. Um, so I didn't think it'd be possible for me to like Arthur Morgan more than John Marston. But I think I do purely because you can, I think the genius of that game is it shows you how much Arthur influences John. Mm. So to now, when I think when I think back to the first game, there's little bits of Arthur in everything that John does, like keeping a journal and like wanting to be a better, you know, better person, wanting to you know have his family and all that sort of thing. So yeah, I think it's Arthur Morgan because I have never, I've never been that invested in the story of one person. Mm. I think Arthur's quite quite a good choice in the fact that like he's a lot warmer than John Marston. Yeah, yeah, I think he. Um, John's always quite sort of, he's quite adamant. Like he doesn't feel that sort of conflicted because I think all of his conflict probably happens earlier in his life. Yeah. Whereas with Arthur, you you are sort of playing through his conflict. Like he's been this terrible person pretty much all of his life. And, and he's finally starting to realise that what he's done is affecting people. And he's just trying to make that that last sort of gasp effort at the end to, to do something better. And yeah, like I found that very touching, which I didn't yeah. expect from a... Western game where you can kill hundreds of people, everybody. literally everybody. Yeah, I think for me, it's it's got to be Joel from The Last of Us. Yeah, yeah, he 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 he's on the podium for sure. Because I mean, I'm I'm replaying The Last of Us at the moment, so it's it my my viewers are slightly skewed, but um, I did the traditional thing that I always do with The Last of Us, which is hate playing Summer. And then remember why I love the game because fall and winter happen. <laughs> yeah, big time. Honest, honestly, oh that the the bit of the winter season is just mental. It's and I like having played it and playing it again because it you watch you watch how his character evolves, but you also know where he's going. So there's certain scenes that point to that, but you don't realize at the time when you're first playing it. So for example, there's a scene where. Um, he goes to like beat the crap out of somebody and Ellie stops him. And then later on in the game, obviously all of the, the stuff happens. I won't, I won't spoil it for anybody, but the, the stuff kind of happens where like he no longer has that kind of tether on him and you suddenly see him be unleashed on people. And it's terrifying because I've, I've always, in winter, I always feel bad for the people that like Joel is coming after. Yeah. Because I would not want to be them. Especially that bit where he ties the dude to the radiator and then just beats him to death. It's just like, oh my god. It's so yeah. intense. Yeah, Joel, Joel's a really clever character because in a lot of ways you are kind of playing as the villain. Mm. He's, like, he's not a good character <laughs> at no. all. They're the most interesting characters though. Like the ones that aren't necessarily good or bad. The ones that are in that weird grey area in the middle. Like they're, I, they're, I love it. They're the most, like, it's the same in TV and film. They're the characters that I always... Not necessarily like relate to, but like they're the ones that I want to focus on as much as possible. I think it's why loads of people love Tyrion in Game of Thrones. Yeah, because as as much as he's funny and charismatic, he's not he's not the hero of that story. Like he does some really really horrible things. Yeah, and that and that's why I think I think Joel wouldn't be as good if he didn't have that opener, where like you see him as like a nice guy who just is trying to get through life and then his entire world is like just ripped from him and then you completely understand why he is the way he is throughout the rest of the game and it oh, it's just so good i'm so excited for the next one it's less than a month now 
Well, it's been oh. less than a month now for like the last six months because they keep delaying. This is true. So they better this not do true. it again. Yeah, well, I, I finally, I finally like made my choice and pre-ordered it. So this time it better stick. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a fifty-four quid CEX voucher ready for when someone sells it, so that I can just buy it for free. So if anybody is planning on selling it, please sell it to CEX and tell me, um, because I need it in my life. Nice. I'm getting that sweet, sweet steel book. So that's I'm not gonna lie. You've you've made me want to pre-order the steel books. It's just pretty. It, it honestly it looks beautiful I, I, like i saw one really poor picture of it and i was like yep that'll do that <laughs> <laughs> sweet low-res image and you're like well that's me yep sold i mean to be fair i have steelbook cod um and that's beautiful yeah just steelbooks in general like they, they take any like, it doesn't matter what game it is just you put it in a steelbook i'm just i'm so weak for it like i've got the i've got gears 3 uh, on, on xbox 360 in a steelbook and it's got like, oh, a, like a, hol- a holographic lancer on it and it is beautiful fun story about gears war i was in the shop for gears war 2 and they we'd pre-ordered it and we had the chance to buy the one that came with the golden lancer for an extra 50 quid and my dad said no and it's like the and i don't mean the golden lancer you can get in the game i mean a replica look oh, right. a life life-size replica for an extra i think it was like 30 quid or 40 quid and he he said no. He was like, nah, I don't need that. And then you see them now, and they sell for like a grand because they're so rare. Oh my god! That and we that... could have had it because the the guy who had pre-ordered it cancelled. So when we got there, because we were we were quite good mates with the guy at Ga- at Game Station. That's how long ago it was. Oh, what a throwback! Um, but because we were quite good mates with the owner, he was like, we've just had this one cancelled. Do you guys want it before I like put it on general sale? Um, and my dad went, nah, don't worry about it. And then we got home and we regretted it so bad. Oh my god, that that's horrifying. I had a phone, I had a phone child line. Wait, it's it's tragic. Isn't it? it just it makes me want to cry. Yeah, that's horrible. I um, I I begged and begged and begged by because uh, like I, when Fallout Four got announced, I pre-ordered it straight away. Um, and I, like, I spent the money, so I'd already like committed the fifty quid to buying it. And then I saw the. Uh, the special edition that came with the uh, the pit boy that you could put your phone into. Oh yeah. And I begged and begged for like from anybody just to like lend me the money to uh like to punt up and get like upgrade my my order. Never got enough. Still heartbroken to this day. That is tragic. Still heartbroken. Do you remember the Fallout? Speaking of pre-orders, do you remember the Fallout Three one that came with the lunchbox and the bobblehead? Yeah. Oh my god, that was so good. Oh, uh, I, I, I I still got my. I, I have a Vault Boy bobblehead somewhere. I'm desperate for one. I, I sold it when I was like really, really poor. Desperate for uni. Yeah. Uh, the first time around, and I, I regret it. Yeah, I feel like, that. That, week, that week's worth of shopping was not worth it. No, yeah, it's like short term it was worth it. Long term, no way. Definitely not worth it. I, I deliberately just keep on keep on hold of my, all my nerdy stuff now. Um, yeah. One final question for you, Nathan Morby. I know this has been more of like a meandering podcast than we perhaps intended. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I think it's been pretty good. I've, I've enjoyed it. I hope everybody listening has quite enjoyed it so far. Um, but one final question for you. If you could only play one game on repeat forever, what would it be? Oh my God. I wish you'd, uh, Why would you not ask me that in advance so I can think of a proper clever answer? No, I don't want you to think. I want it to be a gut feeling. Gut feeling. I, I'm torn on two. Okay. Unsurpri- unsurprisingly, one of them is God of War. Shock. Just because, because 
my head's going in two different directions because one of them is which is the most fun game to play uh-huh. and that's that's got a war because i think that's the most satisfying combat money can buy um and because every time you press triangle and the axe comes back to you a small piece of me just explodes oh it's beautiful isn't it it's, it's the most satisfying thing most satisfying thing that little vibration in the controller as well when it like snaps back into your hands Beautiful. i love just throwing it away and then calling it back for no reason yeah because like in my head i i feel like thor like in the marvel films because yep. like like you, you throw the axe you pummel everyone with an inch of their life you do whatever and then everyone's dead around you and then you just oh where's my axe tap triangle boom snaps back oh my god and you've also got boy just boy, boy. yeah hearing that boy. never gets old this is the thing, like playing, but like, I think I imagine more towards God of War just because, like, that game never ever felt like a chore. Like, I platinumed yeah. it. I don't know if I mentioned that I platinumed it. Just, just put that out there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm one trophy away from platinum. Which one is it? It's the go around and find stuff. <laughs> oh, go around and find stuff, yeah. <laughs> I know, oh, can't you, be bothered. You, you beat the Valkyries then? Yeah. How about... Smashed. Oh, when I smashed her head in, I was well happy. Oh, mate, yeah, that, that last it, Valkyrie. It's it was. So... Oh, it was, it was a challenge. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it took me. It took me like three attempts. I don't mean three, like three lives. It took me three sit-down sessions of trying to do it to actually finally get it. Because like, because all the rest is like each one has like a specific skill set, yeah. and then the last one like, everyone. She's got a combination of every single one. So that, like, then the first time I fought it, I was just like, she just beat me in like two or three hits. I was like, what just happened to me? And yeah. I, it's it's one of my proudest achievements. I did it on my fourth try, and I don't mean like you. I did it on my fourth reset. That's impressive. And That's I was like, impressive. done. Gonna go and sit down and have a cup of tea like a hero. Yeah, that was yeah. Like I say, that, that's the best thing about that game though, because usually, like with any game, especially a game that's like what twenty, thirty hours long, like God of War, mm-hmm. you get to the end of the story, and I'm kind of like, okay, like I'm gonna have like a bit of a like I put control down and go right. I'm satisfied with that now. Like the game ended, and I was just like. I need to see everything else. Like, yeah. I, like, at no point was it a chore. The only part of the game that ever felt even slightly boring to me was I forget. Like, I don't remember the names. It was all Norse and stuff. But the the realm where you you collect in the uh, the mist echoes. Oh, that's yeah. Where it, I, where can't, it basically can't, yeah can't be it, asked for that. Where it basically becomes a souls like for some unknown reason. Like that bit was kind of boring. I but, don't know why that's in there. No, but like he was saying, it was quite like, it was a it was a creative idea. Like I wasn't expecting it. It was it was a cool idea, but I think once you didn't done like the first bit, it should have stopped. I don't know why it was like so long. Yeah, it took too long. Like, when when you eventually like explored the entire maze and then you got in there, there was a Valkyrie. I was like, oh, that's cute. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I hate that. I hate that Valkyrie. That Valkyrie isn't that hard. It's just hard in terms of the fact that you're running out of time to not be dead. Yeah, I think I think that's the only Valkyrie that I beat on my first try as well, which is weird. Mm. Um, she's deliberately easy. Is that yeah? Because yeah. because it, it knows you're probably going to go in there with like ten seconds to beat it, so you can just walk up, bang, 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 you're out. Um, so yeah, that's why I'm heading towards God of War. My my other one would probably be something like like just like a massive open world to get lost in. Yeah, I think if I could if I could get a hang of the Witcher's combat, I would probably say The Witcher. Yeah, because you can just bump hundreds of hours into that game and then get one yeah. of the 15 endings. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's the same with like both Red Dead, same with Skyrim. <laughs> I would say same with Fallout, but that's not really a world that you want to be in. <laughs> like, maybe Skyrim, because some, some of the scenery in Skyrim is stunning, like some of the locations you can go to. 
But yeah, I think all in all, for, like, for the most fun to play, like the game that I could play forever and never get bored of playing it, I think it would be God of War. Fair. What about, what about you? I think I, I unfortunately proved it uh, in the fact that I've totted up something like 700 hours, uh, which is Gears of War 3. Nice. Yeah. Uh, playing Horde with my dad continually, just on repeat, was... It ne- it never got boring. No, yeah, it's um, I think the like the team aspect to that as well, kind yeah. of. They nailed it in that game, and they've they've messed with it since, and it's nowhere near as good anymore. No, but number three's horde like nailed it. And yeah, it was, just... it was just perfect. It was literally perfect because you could literally put the base kind of like wherever you you had a, a choice of like five areas. And then you could build everything. Whereas in the new Horde, I don't know if you played it, but the new one, you if you're not an engineer, you can't build everything. So if you everyone leaves, which people do on Horde, they get to like round 20, they're like, right, that's enough now. I've been playing for an hour, bye. Um, you can't build, and you just, you're knackered because you're left with a bunch of AI soldiers who can't build anything. So you're just running around terrified. Oh, it was like classes this time then. Yeah, there's, no. uh, there was classes in Gears 4 as well. And it's just... When they started adding classes and stuff from other games, it didn't work as well, I don't think. Because um, Gears 3 was quite nice in the fact that you didn't level up your character. Your character is the same. It's just the skin was different. Yeah. So, yeah, fair. I think it's got to be Gears 3 for me. Yeah, it's fair. If you talk about Satisfying as well, the, uh, the Retro Lancer in Gears 3. Oh, the Retro Lancer was so... The Retro Lancer was fun. The normal Lancer is just insanely fun. Um, the Nasha shotgun is great. The noise that you get with the long shot snipers, fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, even some of the locust weaponry was really fun to play with. It was it was just a really good experience, and you could play it for like four hours, and then you were done with that one map, and you're like, cool, let's go do another map. Yeah, that um, there isn't really enough of that anymore. I don't think in games like Gears, obviously, still do it. There aren't enough like actual co-op. Um, modes that are actually that like that take time and are actually satisfying because like all the Call of Duty's happen, but it's never the like it's just never the same. Like the, like cause in Gears when you're when you playing Horde, you had to communicate. Yeah. Um, but you don't really get that as much anymore. The new the new Call of Duty's Spec Ops missions are quite fun. They're chaotic as anything. Um, but yeah, I, I do know what you mean. Like Borderlands Three is a lot of fun because you do have to like talk and stuff, but um their like horde mode was literally just put on as an afterthought right you can tell because it's ridiculously hard you're in like the tiniest area in that game and then just loads of enemies fall at you and you just die within seconds it's pointless yeah um i think gears managed to like nail the balance between difficult and fun yeah because it's it's not like it's not ridiculously hard but if you like if you if you overcommit yourself, like if you stray too far from your team and try and go by be like a one man army, you will get picked off. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's fair. While we're talking about multiplayer games, like my, my answer is still God of War. But <laughs> shout shout out to uh, Halo Three custom games. Oh, Halo Three. Yeah, honestly, me and my friends. Was fun. Like I probably like I probably played through the campaign like four or five times. I like, did it on hard. Got the got all the schools. Got all the is it the high booster armor with the weird helmet. Um, oh yeah that was sick yeah did all that so you know that took me god knows how many hours and then honestly hundreds probably even thousands of hours on custom games playing like garbage man infected <laughs> jenga tower 
like fun house, all these different things. And like, and then we finally became good enough to like make our own maps and they were all ridiculously stupid. And yeah, it's like it, that, that was more dumb fun than anything. I think like, the like, unsung hero of that game is the, the narrator guy who's just like double kill. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, was the uh, oh, what was the really how like kill him and Jaro or something like that? <laughs> yeah, kill him and Jaro. Kill Tacular was what. Kill Tacular, yeah. I think that was the big boy, but Kill him and Jaro was just the funniest one because it was just stupid. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's, it's like he ran out of words. I I just look when he just because it just goes not it's like double triple, and then it's just like quad like, and then it, at quad because they were like quadruple is clearly for nerds, so they just started like making up words. <laughs> It's beautiful. Oh, uh, Duck Hunter as well, where like one guy with a sniper, all the rest were invisible. Yeah. Oh, those are the days. That was a simpler time. It it was. I think games are overcomplicated now, and I I do miss the almost simpler time of I think because the games cost so much money to make now because of how much like textures and rendering and how beautiful they all look. Which it sounds like really spoiled to be like, oh, my game's so pretty. <laughs> so annoying but it is kind of annoying in the fact that you kind of lose out on that almost simplicity yeah like as, as much as i love playing through like last of us 2 and say all these big budget things it's like there is something really like there's something to be said for you and your friends flinging random bits of debris at a giant tower to try and knock your mates off <laughs> and on that i think that's a lovely point to end all nostalgic feel it throwing stuff and feeling all nostalgic so thank you very much for listening we do hope you enjoyed our little ramble down memory lane we promise the next one we'll try and be a bit more on on task structured we, we should structured. probably we, we'll structure it a little bit but not not too much so next time we're going to be talking to a fellow contributor uh reese who is going to be bringing us through some of his favorite gaming memories and what he's looking forward to seeing as he's going to be writing an article for us about playstation and xbox and what to expect so tune in for that one in a couple of weeks after nathan's own tv podcast and george's wonderful upcoming film podcast as well thank you very much for listening and we look forward to seeing you then